Welcome to the Oklahoma City Real Estate Show with Landon Witt. You're about to learn hyper-local market knowledge happening right now in the Oklahoma City real estate market. This is your fresh weekly report on housing conditions in Oklahoma City that will enable you to make smarter investment decisions and gain insight on local trends. Plan your next move in real estate with this fast, vital market news to aid your next real estate adventure. Landon is a genuine, self-made top realtor in Oklahoma City with millions of dollars in real estate closed every year and hundreds of satisfied clients. He's a successful investor, property manager, and residential broker who's worked with clients from all over the globe to help achieve their real estate goals. This program will help you gain the much sought after hyper-local information that's vital to making real estate decisions. Whether you live right here in the city or across the country, welcome to the Oklahoma City Real Estate Show. Here is your host, Landon Witt. Welcome to episode 37 of the Oklahoma City Real Estate Show. On today's show, we have tiny house builders in the studio today. That's from a show, Tiny House Builders, on HGTV. These two brothers were featured on the show, building tiny homes in tiny places like tree houses and this, that, and the rest. They're going to talk to us a little bit about what the tiny home future is throughout the nation, and also a little bit about what it's like to film on HGTV. Stay tuned for that on today's show. I have a huge announcement to bring up for those loyal listeners to the Oklahoma City Real Estate Show. We are getting into the spring, end of summer, or end of winter, or not end of winter, but to a point where the sun's coming out a little bit more and the sales have started coming in. And folks, I love spending time with you guys doing this show, but when it gets busy, I can't do this every week. So we're going to change it up just a bit. I think it'll actually be more beneficial for everyone. Uh, we're going to be doing the show every other week, and we're going to change up how the market report is reflected. One of the things when looking back on 2018, we saw how the market report was read. It, it was from the center of the city out to 10 square miles. I feel like that really captures a wide demographic. In fact, it's so wide that the numbers are often unusable for investment purposes when we really get detailed. So what I've done is I'm focusing on the two most commonly sold areas that we work on in this city, and that's going to be Northwest Oklahoma City which is north of I-40, west of 235, and then east of the Turnpike and south of the Turnpike, okay? So that's the northwest corner of Oklahoma City. And we're also going to be running the metric for Edmond. For those of you that are investing on the south side, Dell City, Midwest City, Forest Park, and the northeast side, you're more than welcome to email me. We can do a chat about those properties. All of you that invest already with me, we chat about the areas in great detail. So this is really an over market of what's happening. And I think that's going to be really important in 2019. So on to the market report, new and improved Northwest Oklahoma City, medium property price list price this last seven days was 141,000. Your sold price coming in at 139,000. That's an average discount or a median 
Canadian discount of 1.4%. That breaks down to $103.35 per square foot list price and a $94.83 sold price. Your average market exposure time is 17 days on market. Again, that's for the Northwest Oklahoma City area. If you're priced right, you're going to move fast. Those two weeks, again, I always talk about this, the first two weeks being the golden weeks. Treat them as sacred. Come on the market ready. Prepare to sell. Don't hobble onto the market with a project that's not quite done. Oh, we'll get on the market. We'll finish up that paint or we'll finish up that backroom. Mistake. The first two weeks is your prime uh, selling territory. That's when you're going to get the most showings. You need to be ready. Moving up north into the Edmond market, the Edmond market coming in at $193,700 as a list price the last seven days and a sold price of $191,750. That is a 1% price deduction over the course of the homes being on the market, okay? want to pay attention closer to the speed of the market in Edmond right now. We're on a median market exposure time of 47 days. This is why I'm breaking these market reports in. Look at the drastic changes just coming south of that turnpike. We're going from 17 days in Northwest Oklahoma City. Now we're stretching into the stratosphere at 47 days in Edmond. If you're planning on selling in Edmond, remember that. There is a couple of uh, anomalies that came on. There was a property in Edmond, actually, I want to bring that up, uh, that was listed for $2 per square foot. Folks, you've heard this on the news. National Association of Realtors and Realtor.com came up with this con or, or started spotlighting the concept of these wild uh, realtors listing a property for $1, getting all this attention and then selling it. This property was listed for $2 and in nine days sold for $317,000. So <laughs> obviously when I'm running my median estimates, we're looking for those crazy anomalies because it really does jack with the appraiser overall numbers. Uh, but, and in fact, actually they've been encouraged not to do that. But as far as for marketing shock, fantastic to have it come up and it's $2 listing gets a lot of attention. All right, folks, straight into the Tiny House Brothers in the studio. We're going to get in depth with them on what it's like to film with HGTV. But first, your news. Hello, I'm Aaron Christian in Oklahoma City for the OKC Real Estate Show with this week's news. Film Row has been reborn into a mix of artistic businesses, restaurants, and of course, breweries and tap rooms. The Film Row district is between Main Street, California Avenue, Walker Avenue, and Classen Boulevard. Last October, alcohol laws in Oklahoma changed from Prohibition-era regulations to a modern age of freedom for local brewers. Breweries can now sell full-strength beers in supermarkets, keep them cold in liquor stores, and allow underage guests in tap rooms that can now also stay open until 2 a.m. Three new breweries plan to open in Film Row within the year. Core 4 Brewing, OK Cider Company, and Lively Beer Works. Core 4 will be in the historic Paramount Pictures building on 701 West Sheridan Avenue. Something co-founder Buck Buchanan said happened by pure luck. 
A friend told Buchanan that the Paramount had space available and things just fell together after that. Omni Oklahoma City Hotel is currently under construction at 100 West Oklahoma City Boulevard between Southwest 4th and Southwest 7th Streets and South Robinson Avenue and South Shields Boulevard. Oklahoma City and Omni Hotels and Resorts negotiated in 2017, though plans for the hotel stem back to 2008. Now, the full-service four-star hotel is just two years away. The 17-story hotel will stand across the street from the future MAPS 3 Convention Center and the 70-acre Scissortail Park. The hotel is a $241 million investment and part of a public-private partnership with the city. Omni will pay for $157.5 million and hotel officials have asked the city to pay $85.4 million. The Oklahoma City Council approved the deal during a 2017 council meeting to help support the convention center. Work starts on improving connection between downtown and Bricktown. The pedestrian tunnel to connect the Santa Fe train station to Bricktown has been scrapped from the current project as two separate bids came back over budget. But it will be something that can be considered in the future. Construction is underway on the Bricktown Canal side of the project, which will include an upper viewing terrace with a grand staircase and a landscaped lower plaza area. Now it's back to Landon with this week's guests. All right. Thanks, Aaron. Today we're talking about tiny homes, what it means for you, what it means for our nation, and just a little bit about understanding how they come together and what does it mean and what's the opposition facing tiny homes. CNN just released November 8th of this year, of 2018 actually, we're now in 2019, but just recently stating more than half Americans would consider living in a home that's less than 600 square feet, according to a survey done by the National Association of Home Builders. This is no longer just a fantasy world. This has become reality and reality very fast. Among millennials, the interest has increased to 63%. I'm here with Deke and Dustin Derrickson. Is that right? Derrickson? Dedrickson. Dedrickson. Yeah, close. Dedrickson. Even my mother I mispronounces did... it. That's all right. Good. Good. Well, it wasn't her name when she was born either. Yeah, that's right. So. Yeah. Okay. All right. So fill us in here for those that don't even know what a tiny home is. Yeah. What the heck are we talking about here? I mean, by definition, definition, if you're talking with some of the newer codes are put in place by square footage, a lot of them come in that under, you know, some say 300 square feet or 400 square feet in that ballpark, in that zone. Uh, they don't have to be mobile. Like the most people see and understand tiny houses now because of the TV shows as it's on wheels, it's RV like, and that's maybe something else to touch upon. How is a tiny house different than an RV? You know, why don't I just buy a cheap used RV? Maybe we'll get to that. Um, but it's, yeah, it, it does not have to be mobile. There's uh tiny houses and wheels and what we call Dustin and I ground bound tiny houses or T H O F tiny houses on foundations. So there's, mm. you know, it's nothing really new because if you really think about it, tiny houses have been around since, you know, Jamestown, Virginia, since Plymouth, Massachusetts, you know, you look over in Japan, all these other places, um, the nautical world, square footage wise, there's a lot of places that have been far more efficient than the US of A uh, than us for quite some time. Mm. So, uh, you know, 300 to 400 square foot realm is more or less the definition. Which includes the kitchen, the bathroom. Yeah, oftentimes the, the loft. Bedroom. Yeah, well, the loft up above is, you know, not standing space. So a lot of times that's not considered mm. in the square footage. Mm. Um, Usually like a sleeping loft and a storage loft in the opposing end. 
you're talking about a tiny house on wheels. I got yeah. you because it's kind of du- it's a it's doubles as extra space. Yeah, but it's not and to be and to be towable to be able to dry it by the Department of Transportation rules on the, on the road. You're looking at it has to be under thirteen six in some states fourteen feet depending, but not as many. Mm. So most of the builders go by thirteen six because if you travel around the U.S. the bridges. Yeah, and a lot of those height standards are kind of averages of what the overpass or underpasses are. So in areas out here where maybe there are less bridges, you might get away with 14 feet. But if you decide to drive to New York City or where some of the bridges are seven foot 10 and you're not, yeah. on the, oh, uh, the parkways, yeah, oh, wow. it's going to be a nightmare. You're going to have the inadvertent sunroof in the house, tear the top off, the can opener. Oh my gosh. Have you heard of that? I mean, the, has there been that where somebody's the, driving along? There's a, well, J- one of our buddies and who was one of the guys who was kind of one of the OGs in the modern tiny house scene, uh, scene Jay Schaefer, he had a story where once upon a time on his first tiny house tour, and this was like in 99 or 2000, he went under a bridge and lost the top uh, ridge vent of his house. Didn't even realize it, but all these cars were honking at him. Finally pulled him over and he realized he lost it. He was able to just put it back on. No other damage. I mean, talk about wow, absolute luck. Inches from death. Yeah, there's, there's probably been some stories. There's always people, you know, jackknifing him a little bit, but nothing catastrophic, thank God. Yeah. So walk me through how you got into this. I mean, you're you're now what someone would say, or the Lego community would say, a master builder. Master right? builder, yeah. You're a master builder of wisdom. Yeah. What is the adult a yeah. adult fan of Legos? Yes. <laughs> My son's a total Lego nerd. There so you go. I actually right worked on. at a Lego convention doing hey. tiny house stuff recently. Hey, all right. Awesome. Cool. My son's into Legos yeah. too. So we're, it's a nightly story we get read. Yeah. Yep, so yep. so you're a master builder uh, <laughs> for those that, that that are into the Lego thing how did i mean come on how do you how do you get into this well our father taught shop uh so we always grew up with all the tools and at the time when he was probably he's my older brother so when he was looking after me i think we'd sneak down to the basement start it started with building birdhouses and ultimately turned into a cabin in our backyard with the sole purpose to uh have a separate this is when we had one tv in our house a separate area when my dad was watching wimbledon tennis we would go out and play video games so we were set on building a tiny house or at the time a cabin in our backyard and i think at the time you were probably 10. yeah 10 or 11. well we built a cabin in the backyard that we mowed a bunch of lawns and paid for our first non-fort real cabin we call that could be insulation we had you know wired electricity out there all these things that we learned how to do and a little help from the you know, our father but not much it was for no noble reason we just wanted to get out of the house and be able to play the original Nintendo system out there on a yard sale TV with a UHF dial, black and white that I bought. Um, and later, you know, the the uh, the cabin was more of like hanging out with girls, drinking beer, you know, ah. <laughs> stuff like that as we got older. What's the age difference between you guys? I mean, four years, just about. And yeah. you guys were like buddies growing up, it looks like. Uh, yeah. I mean, we get along fabulously now. We used to beat the heck out of There was a time. I was going to yeah, say, he was a senior, we, you're yeah, a junior. Yeah. yeah. We yeah. never went to the same schools. Every time I would leave a school, he would enter it the next year. Uh, but we'd rode the same bus and this and that. And you probably know. kept it. Yeah, better. We, yeah, we became yeah. better friends when he left for college, I guess. Yeah, probably. Yeah. And now yeah. we do a bunch of these gigs all around the US. We were just recently we went to Hong Kong, Tasmania and Australia on gigs together to teach these workshops we were brought out there for. 
you know, someone contacted us and they set up mm-hmm. these workshops and they flew us out there. I'm like, yes, please. <laughs> and we'll go back in a heartbeat. So in 2014, you guys got an opportunity to get introduced to national television yeah. on a show called HGTV. Yeah. Well, it was Tiny House Builders. Yeah. Yeah. Um, well, yeah. H- a network. Network. Yeah. HGTV. Yeah. Little, yeah. little network. Little, yeah. little popularity. And, and the DIY network. They didn't know what to do it, with it at first because they kept airing it in both, which was cool with us because it was double the exposure. So they're trying to find out where it would find a home. And there's a, I don't know how much, there's a pretty interesting story behind all of that where um, we did this show for one season, but we didn't know as we're producing this with uh, Gurney Productions. I, I had to think about that for a second. Who did Duck Dynasty, a couple other shows. They were a big name at the time. We, and they didn't know that HGTV was cultivating a couple tiny house shows. So they're pitting us against each other. And we actually beat all the other shows in the ratings, like mm. significantly. Wow. But our show had a regular host a regular building cast, and we would build something and give it away for free. And all the current shows on TV right now, all those people have to pay for their own house and put, like for Tiny House Nation, for example, mm-hmm. uh, you have to put 45 grand in escrow that you let the network spend. Our show, we built it and just gave it away. And even though the ratings were awesome, HGTV is like when they crunch numbers, like, yeah, we'll just go Ooh, with the show with a yeah. voiceover host where they look at tiny houses. Wow. So. It didn't work out in that respect, but the, uh, I mean, a little behind the scenes here, HGTV, like any of these shows, they're so grueling physically that I was the host, Dustin was the co-host, we did all the building. It's not these like pretty boy shows where no one's doing any work and there's a lot of those out there, you know? Mm. Um, and I did some of the animation art sequences for the show and I did a lot of the producing and I didn't get any producing credits on it, but I set you up- You mean like video editing? Yeah, yeah. So, I mean, I did all hand illustrations for things and all that. Oh, wow. and, like It was crazy. I had like five titles, only one of which I was credited for mm. on the show, but I mm. didn't care because I wanted to make it happen. Sure. And put my you best take foot it off. forward. Yeah. Sure. And ultimately it wasn't renewed, which kind of was a blessing in disguise because after that, our YouTube channel had been doing so well. It's just mm. relaxshacks.dot.com on YouTube that uh, we were getting all these, never from HGTV, but from YouTube, getting all these offers to do workshops, to travel. And had we still had the contract with HGTV, we, we uh, wouldn't have been able to do any of those things. I think it was like a week after our contract had expired, we went over to Sydney, Australia. Yeah, the first the time we got a free trip to Australia and like exorbitant pay, more than HGTV would ever have paid us hmm. to teach all these workshops. I'm like, well, that worked out. <laughs> Heck yeah. yeah. And now you guys have gone on to write books. I mean, you, yeah. you're doing seminars. What I mean, so the real lure to it is financial freedom of right? course yeah i mean that's i mean for, mo- like, for most people says i yeah. want to be in a small place like i in i mean okay there's probably a couple there's, people yeah. that want to have you know small and intricate but uh, the, I, I would say the mass you know the masses want larger space if they can but they're choosing these smaller so that they can be debt free that course. they can have the freedom to travel instead of pay yeah. a mortgage so talk me you know walk me through that who who are the people that are that are hiring you guys to build these homes uh it's interesting a lot of a lot of women um, but you're also going to find there's a lot of millennial, a lot of single women. Yes. A lot of younger people and a lot of older single women or the empty nesters, couples that their kids have gone to college, live on their own. They no longer have the need for a 4,000, 5,000 square foot house. They want to take their money, uh, especially selling if, they're, their home. if they're on a fixed income mm-hmm. and just be able to travel with the house, which mm-hmm. I will warn people mm-hmm. isn't as cheap as you think it is, you know, because pulling a house all the time requires an expenditure of a lot of gas, but it's mm-hmm. doable. What's the gas? I mean, like, what are we getting gas? I mean, you're like some of the trucks, if you were driving an F-350 or something sure. and pulling these, I mean, you're getting some of them that was 10 miles. Or yeah. Like nine, miles nine, like nine, 10 yeah. per gallon. Yeah. It depends on the house. What's in it. You know, sure. I can't give you a, a straight and, figure. And the speed limit. Sure. How, yeah. how, how fast you're going. You know, am I driving up? uphill the whole time crossing the rockies or going downhill 
but still, ultimately, it turns out to be cheaper than, you know, going to hotel rooms all the time. And if you travel around mm-hmm. the U.S. Um, but, uh, yeah, so a lot of single women, a lot of young people. And I think with the young people, they right now, they kind of realize, I don't want to be in debt for the rest of my life. I want experiences over possessions. Mm-hmm. And they're at a station in their life where they really haven't yet accumulated um, a lot of stuff. They haven't taken on, you know, heirlooms from parents or uh, other relatives that have passed away yet. Mm-hmm. And they don't have kids mm-hmm. yet. So they can they can do that. They can live in a small space. You know, once you have children, it's a different story. It's mm-hmm. being done, but it's tougher to have kids, sure. especially once they're past that crawling phase, running around a 200 square foot house, you know, like the Tasmanian devil mm-hmm. raising mm-hmm. havoc. Uh, especially in a cold climate. Yeah. And that's another yeah. advantage. If you live somewhere that's warmer, you could. it's mm-hmm. easier to get by and, and living in a tiny house because you can extend your living space to the outdoors. You have a deck, you know, with mm. a pergola. You, the, you know, if you're living somewhere in Florida, you can be outside all the time. Up near Boston, where we live, not really possible. We left the other day to fly out here. It was like 15 degrees. So mm. uh, it's not going to happen. So some of you guys are listening to this and you're going, holy cow, how am I going to continue building my 1200 square foot house? You know, I've gone through all these permits and all these people are going to start putting a house on a trailer and pulling it onto a vacant lot and they're going to live right next to me and they're not going to pay property taxes and all this. Well, the actual answer is, is not that easy. No. Uh, in fact, zoning regulations is just a whole battle in and of itself. And on a national scale, they're so small, like each town and city and, and county has their own regulations, yes, they have their yeah. own. So, I mean, to to, to take off on a, on a large scale uh, really makes it to where uh, if you're gonna be a, a big institutional tiny house builder, what do you, I mean, like how are you, there's so many different regulations. It prevents, I think, a national company from taking the nation on tiny homes, right? This has got to be just inherently a, a small, fragmented, regional, regional yeah. supplier, right? I mean, there's probably some lowest common denominator of like checks and balances, you know, you could hit like in terms of like egress, for instance, you know, you want like 5.7 square feet to be able to get out of a house or for burly firemen or women to get in. There's all those rules sure. that make perfect yeah. sense. Yep, yep, yep. You know, the International Building Code really is national saturation. Well, yeah. So the IRC, you guys are building to that code or like, how does that work? It depends what we're building. When you're building tiny mm-hmm. houses, yes, you want to build to the International Building Code. Just it makes sense. It's safe. You know, you don't want to build something, send it out there and someone gets hurt. Right. When it comes to tree houses, that's a whole nother ballpark and, and avenue and style of building. You're mm-hmm. building to be light and strong. Uh, something that actually moves, mm. um, you know, as trees sway in the wind. I don't know if it'd be tough to build one here in Oklahoma. You guys get mm. so much wind, you know, I don't know, man. You'd have to have it like on bungee cords or something. Yeah, you'd have to have the right attitude, you know, yeah. staying there. So that brings up a good topic. So Airbnbs, I know Airbnb has this whole side of their website, which is Airbnb adventures, you know, where they have got, you know, these interesting places you can stay. And some of these tree houses are $300 a night. Oh, yeah. For a tree I mean, you're yep. just going, it's the experience. People, people are paying it willingly. Isn't that amazing? For the experience, yeah. So talk to me a little bit about that. I mean, so if somebody comes to you and says, hey, I want to build a tree house that'll, that'll turn heads on Airbnb. Yeah. What's it going to cost? Oh, I mean, there's no set answer. Like, you know, right. what's the setting? How accessible is it? Uh, we built one of them. Uh, we built, you know, a good size oak tree, We built tree, quite right? a few that are listed. On well, the I mean, what do, you, do you, you have to rate the tree, right? It has to be low. You got to have the right tree. trees. It's got to be healthy. It's got to, you know, like one of the ones we built for HGTV was this giant window fronted uh, tree house, like tiny house. It was seasonal. And enough, the front of it was 20 feet tall or something. And the base was like 12 by 12. It had a bathroom. It had a wine Stand fridge. Stand up loft 
as well. Oh, it was crazy. That one, though, because we used a lot of uh, salvage and, you know, architectural salvage, recycled stuff, reused stuff. Mm -hmm. That one, budget-wise, was only around for materials and such, maybe 10000 bucks. Uh, but there's a lot of labor. Mm. What compounded that is it was deep in the woods where we had to walk in stuff. We had mm -hmm. to take an off-road Jeep in there. We had to drive quads to get to the site. It was mm -hmm. a nightmare. You know, we mm -hmm. probably lost 10 pounds each from blood loss from the mosquitoes. That's going to add into the price of building something. Sure. Sure. Anytime you go up in the air and require mm -hmm. ladder work, it almost triples the time it takes to build something. You're repositioning ladders, you're setting up rigging, you know, block and tackle rigs to lift up pre-built pieces in a treehouse. So mm -hmm. it's not as cheap as you might think. Mm. But then again, I've built, I'm a softy. I, I built some smaller treehouses for kids and stuff like that where like mm -hmm. they're like a thousand bucks just because... I'm a sucker and that, you know, that they have a sob story. And, and you like, wanted them to have the memories. That you yeah. Sure. And if they let me get, I try to pick clients that let mm -hmm. me do what I want and mm. try things out, you know, and I'm really, and I say no to a lot of people. Like if they let me get weird, I can use it as a resume piece or feature it in one of my books. I just put out a new book, uh, Micro Living through mm -hmm. Story Press, and that has some of the tree houses and things we've done. I like mm -hmm. the weird stuff. You know, I got sure. a tree house on my land. I owned a camp in Vermont. It's a 22-foot-tall light-up robot. You stay in its stomach. And Airbnb has contacted us many times. Go, come on, rent that out. I'm like, I don't know if I want to deal with the hassle. But mm -hmm. um, there will come a time, I suppose. Because I have, how many we got seven, seven cabins now, four tree houses. On seven that. cabins and four off-grid tree houses. Yeah. On Airbnb? No, okay. no, no. Just no, on our, just for oh, hidden compound in the woods where we oh, teach geez. workshops. We do a tiny house grid. workshop uh, oh, every nice. August. It's like a summer summer, summer yeah. camp we call it, tiny house summer camp. Next year will be our eighth year doing it mm. where people from all over, not only the U.S., but the you know from, from abroad come to camp with us for several nights and build with us like a collective build guest speakers, mm. talks at night. It's the anti-hotel ballroom symposium or seminar. Yeah. Like, the, yeah. like let's hang out in the woods, cocktails, yeah. you know. I mean, you got to find the right time of the year for that. Yeah, well, yeah. that's why it's technically not in summer. It used to be summer camp, but the flies are bad and it gets hot in Vermont in August. So now it's in late September, even, mm. you know, not technically the summer, but. Yeah, so. yeah. Wow. Uh, you know, I think from an, uh, a national standpoint, as we start to get, uh, more and more towards automation. There's going to be this huge push for 3D printing homes. I yeah. know there's a company in Austin that we've contacted trying to get on the show and we, and we will. Um, there, there's just logistics. So stay tuned for that. But they're 3D printing tiny homes and it's underneath a different guys. It's not trying to, you know, undercut you guys or things like that. It's simply to fight homelessness, yeah, yeah, poverty. You know, these are situations where politicians are going, how are we going to deal with this? What can the government do? And they're doing, you know, trucks that have, you know, the the uh, concrete arm that comes above. And then they're, you know, the, the 3D printing software is helping this yeah. thing lay, it's like, con it's, you know, concrete. Yeah. yeah. I've and, seen the videos of those. Yeah. So that changes the game in, in a way to where you can kind of build in a backyard. So for mom and dad, they got sick and now they're going to hospice. The medical bills are piling up. You, you know, Social Security is about to cut you off. Mm -hmm. She's got to come back home. You don't have space in your place, but you got a big backyard. Now you can drive this truck and the truck can then build, you know, in machinery in, in the back of a uh, yeah. backyard. So I think that's a huge market going forward for uh, multi-generational households. Right? Yeah, the ADUs or granny flats, they call right. them. There's a couple names right. for them. So yeah. I think if your community in Oklahoma City, uh, as long as you meet building code standards, if you can draw it out, the only issue you hit is on FHA loans. So 
if you then go to sell your property and you sell it to a buyer that's using an FHA loan, yeah. you then have multiple structures on one lot and they don't like mm -hmm. that at all. Yep. You have to connect it. It's got to be, you know. Or if it's unorthodox enough going to actually build it in the first place to secure a loan for it because it's so unconventional has mm -hmm. been very tough for people. And it's starting to change. But, to, mm -hmm. you know, like I want to build. I saw this episode of Tiny House Nation the other day and they built this crazy house that's shaped like a whatever, a giant pickle. And I want this mm -hmm. in my backyard. Mm -hmm. First of all, get permission. Your neighbors are probably not going to like right, that. Right, your HOA. Secondly, yeah. your bank is going to like yeah. laugh at you as they hit the security button under the desk thinking you're insane. Sure. Uh, they're not going to clear you for a loan and something like that because you know you're a risk to them and the resale of something like that if you default in your loan you're not going to resell that pickle shape or oscar meyer wiener mobile sure. house it's just not going to happen it's a risk hey but if you're listening and you want to build a pickle home yeah you can do a cash out refi or home equity line of credit and you can pull that one off um and that's back on the topic of the airbnb this is not crazy stuff it sounds like crazy like it, it was crazy stuff mm. until Airbnb. I mean, we had uh, Meg Sawyer from Ward 6 District who pushed for Airbnb regulation and Airbnb steamrolled the entire state of Oklahoma. I mean, there there's a whole different brand of our power here Yeah. where the federal government used to be in control. They used to be the bottlenecks. I mean, we were talking uh, with the fastest growing franchise last episode, uh, CBD Plus. I mean, literally fastest growing franchise. Yeah. One store to 52 stores like in CBD nine months. Like CBD oils you're talking? CBD Plus, yeah. yeah. Yep. One store to 52 stores in nine months. And he says, Jesus. the FDA, wow. the FDA, they used to exist because the internet wasn't around. People didn't know things. Company didn't, companies could control their propaganda. Now people can Google stuff about things. Yeah. And the FDA now, the education gets out there and America's different than Europe. Europe, you know, they, they pass regulation and then and they release it to the public. Yeah. America, hey, you can brought I mean you can bring stuff to the public and as long as nobody gets sick, nobody gets involved. Yeah. Then once somebody dies, the FDA says, "Whoa, maybe we'll review yeah. this." <laughs> exactly. So same thing with the pickle in the backyard. It's a different time now. You've got a pickle in an area and we've got you know anybody I love, how the, yeah. I love how the pickles become the, the example. The, We're going to build this now. Yeah. Yes. Now, now I'm like, well, damn it. I mean, there's places in Midwest that are the Midwest that are all about pickles. Yeah. Oh, really? You know that. Yeah. I mean, oh, there's they, like they, they, they we just, got the largest pickle in the world. We just went to Hatch, uh, New Mexico, the chili capital, green chili capital of the world. So a chili bowl home. Yeah. You know, I mean, <laughs> there's just that's the way you go with it. You know, it's it just, you know, I stayed at the chili bowl home, yeah. you know, $300 a night. Well, that know? kind of stuff with Airbnb attracts attention. The weirder, the better like you said that's right those like i probably stayed and i haven't i don't think i've said this out loud i bet i've stayed in more tiny houses tree houses and bizarre structures than possibly anyone in the scene ever because i travel all the time for youtube and when i do and on my book tours i always secure each night a weird place to stay in and i film tours of it and spend the night in there because it's the nice. best way to get ideas for your tiny house, stay a night in these places so you can look around and really take it in and maneuver your body You're through those spaces. You're obviously traveling single. <laughs> yeah. Well, no, no. Well, sometimes it's family. Really? Yeah. I've, I've, we've okay. stayed in some of the, we stayed in one St. Louis, gorgeous house, but it was really meant. So how like, does that work? Walk me through that with the uh, kids and wife and well, it weird depends house. on the ones we've stayed in. Oh, my wife is cool with it. And we've laundry. Seen a lot of, I mean, there's laundry there. I mean, what? yeah. Or you can do it offsite if you're staying only for a little while. You know, you're sure. not gonna like I don't have to do my laundry tomorrow yeah. after spending yeah. one night. That's not gonna be the case. I'll bring it home and do it. We stayed in a place in St. Louis though, cool house. It was originally built on one of the tiny house shows on HGTV, another one. And it was so small that all four of us uh, slept in it. And it was just like, it was like, like reverse Jenga piecing together where everyone would sleep. 
I had to pull the bed down, like the fold out couch was so small. I pulled over a hassock and like to put my head on as I slept and it just didn't work out. Beautiful house, yeah. but it's not going to happen if you're like- Cosmetically pleasing. Yeah, it was for a single woman uh, initially. Uh, so that okay. would work, but for sure. renting it to a family, we were the first uh, family of four that had ever stayed in it. Everyone else was like singles or couples. Uh -huh. I'm like, we'll make it work. We're troopers. And we did. Because yeah, I'm not a very picky man. I've I've toured in punk bands and slept on you know living room floors and venue floors and like whatever I can sleep anywhere. But yeah, that right. one that one was a little challenging. It reminds me of Seattle when I think I slept on the floor in Hal's place, which was all of what sixty oh, square feet. A buddy of mine has a sixty-eight <laughs> three, three large sixty-eight dudes. square foot <laughs> yeah. transforming guest house where you re reconfigured a garage door opener so it comes off the wall drops down, a leg kicks out, and it's padded, that becomes the bed because otherwise there's not enough room for a bed in the space. It's got a it's got a bathtub in the in the floor, uh, a little sleep loft, a living roof, you know, with plants growing out of it. And three of us, after doing a treehouse build in Monroe, Washington, where they have some treehouse rentals, uh, to plug Tracy Rice, um, through Airbnb and or in, in uh what's the other one? VRBO or some of those sites. There's a bunch of them out there. Sure, sure. It's expensive. But, but we stayed three of us in sixty-eight square feet. And that was like, you know, talking about chili, make sure you don't stay with your buddies after chili night. Feet. Yeah, crazy. I what mean What is that like so, five foot by yeah, eight foot? It's it's like when you try oh, to what, what is the math on that? Is it it, 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 it was triangular, foot? so it's a weird so I'm not gonna give you like rectilinear yeah. dimensions, but okay. it was and they had one loft it's, space. It's a three-dimensional way of thinking. Yeah. Okay. All right. Fair enough. But it's it's tough to maneuver past someone to get to the bathroom when you're staying in 68 square feet. But for us at the time, we were flying out the next morning. It was just a place mm -hmm. to crash. And the place is amazing. It's it was featured in my uh, Micro Shelters, my first book. Um, but you know, a very yeah. inventive builder. This guy, Hal Colombo is his name. If you want to look him up, it sounds like it's a witness protection, like fake TV detective name, but it's apparently his real name's Hal Colombo. <laughs> Hal Colombo, <laughs> not to be confused with Columbus. Yeah. Okay. So for those that are already into this, you're like, I want to buy a tiny home and you're going to go to your mom, your dad, your whoever, and they're going to go, you're crazy. You're out of your mind. How do you answer those questions? There's, so, many, there's so many festivals around now that I think mm -hmm. a lot of people are starting to bring their parents to the festivals and it's really an opportunity to kind of walk through maybe 60 different tiny homes and it's interesting to see people's reactions to it because they're like, oh, I can see myself living in this. Now I see what you're talking about. So you get a lot of that kind of uh, conversation that's starting. You're tapping mm. your hands, man. Don't drum on the table. Yes, we're drumming on the mics. Um, By the way, this is the citrus Key West lime kombucha. How are some, you guys enjoying it? With some Everclear mixed in. No, I'm a Actually, all the alcohol is naturally occurring. Yeah, I know. It's like 0.5% yeah. or something usually. Well, is that very good? It depends actually. on who's listening to this podcast, but um, this is, a, this is a, a second stage ferment that we do on this product. Um, we're still working with Abel. These are friends and family for any regulation. Just, or uh, This hasn't been tested yes, by the FDA uh, yet. Yes, friends not and family. Yet. We're not distributing here. They didn't pay for this. Okay. <laughs> As we keel over. <laughs> so... We're anyway, the guinea pigs for this, actually. That's right. They're behind it like one of those two-way mirrors or whatever, like taking notes. Subject seems the healthy and okay. company right now is writing me a letter like, wait a minute. No, it's you didn't tell good. us about this. It's good. Yeah. It's good. You know, it's it's natural. It's it's the pH. Anyways, um, so it feels good. It is good. I think it'll replace beer eventually. I, that's just my projections. My thoughts were add a little vodka in this and I'm good to go. You need it even higher. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, oh like, really? Yeah. You need a keck. Wow. No, I don't know. Why? Uh, what's the percent in this? I think 
I don't want to go on record. You feel that's twelve? Really? Really? I drank one. The other oh, day. I didn't think there was anything in it. I yeah, I, I, was just I can put them down, so maybe that's speaking to my well, experience. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, no. If, be you, my if you don't do a second stage ferment, it's yeah, like point five and under. Because yeah. SCOBY, the actual the actual the colony disc thing, yeah. the disc thing, yeah. right? It can only do point five. We're before it give, starts to kill itself so it doesn't gonna, yeah we're gonna be giving our talk at the oklahoma city uh home show <laughs> no no <laughs> so you've got, you got the probiotics you've got the electrolytes you've got polyphenols in it so as you're consuming the alcohol you're actually getting the antioxidants to actually repair the cellular damage that can occur from yeah. alcohol you're getting the electrolytes to actually give you energy and you're also getting probiotics to replace anything that you've had in your stomach that may have killed the the uh, biotical, you know, this is like reverse placebo here because I didn't know there was any alcohol in it. I'm sucking it down. I don't feel anything. And now he's telling me this alcohol oh, slowly. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. You'll be experiencing heat rash on your left. Sailor shanties. <laughs> your shoulder now will have pain. Yeah. <laughs> you see that the movie Airplane. Have you ever seen yeah, that? Where course, he's yeah. like, you know, you'll experience hives. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Well, we gotta we gotta wrap this up. Unfortunately, we're we're reaching the end of this podcast. But just to kind of re-encompass what's happening here, tiny house movement has been pushed under the rug for five, 10 years now as just being a fad. And now we're going on 15 years of this movement and and arguably longer, you know, like you say, I mean, Jamestown had these small homes. And the purpose, again, is that people are tired of being house poor. Yeah, of course. They get this fancy house, but they really wanted to just go to check out a Iceland and yeah. see, you know, the Arctic before it disappears and the reefs before they bleach out, you know? I was, yeah. I was just talking to someone about this earlier because I've been to Iceland a couple of times only because I live in a small house and don't have any bills. My house is fully paid for. And my kids, like I never, Dustin and I never traveled as kids. And now both our families, he lives in a very small house too. We travel all the time because we can afford to, you know, I don't owe anything to anybody. My cars, my house is nothing. Mm. So we can travel. Hey, let's go to Paris. You know, like money I would have wasted on a house. I'm not around to use half the time. Mm. You know, And that's, that's mm-hmm. where I were originally, uh, we grew up in a very modest size house. My parents were school teachers. And so at an early age, it made sense to us. I had a friend who... Uh, his father worked like 90 hours a week to pay for this house he was never around to use to me that was ludicrous you know mm-hmm. i'm like i was a kid i'm like this is stupid you know i'm friends with you i haven't met your father yet because he's always at work and he's never in this house he's slaving away to own mm-hmm. so uh you know that certainly speaks to the advantages of living in a smaller diminutive if you will house mm-hmm. Well, guys, thanks for talking. If you want to get a hold of them, look in the description below. We're going to put some links there. Uh, we want to get your YouTube channel. Yeah. Definitely want to put that on there. You can check out what he's doing. You can check out the ideas. For those of you that think, oh, I'm just going to do it myself or whatever, if you have the time, you might want to check out their book and get learn from the mistakes that have happened before, right? You, you don't, if you're trying to hit a budget, right? Planning is the way to hit that budget on target. And over planning. Exactly. Over planning. Because when you have to build something and then rebuild it, your, your budget just busted. Okay. So planning from the start, getting it done right. Also for you investors that listen and you're going, Landon, what the hell? You know, why are you keep pitching these tiny homes? Okay. I know tons of you that have vacant lots that you don't know what the heck to do with. Let's talk about giving the opportunity for a tiny home community or a tiny home development to come into there. Those of you I know that have RVs, okay, 
those RV parks can now accommodate these tiny homes, you need to check with your insurance provider to make sure that they don't require any type of thing. But as long as you have that 10 foot and 15 foot span between your RVs, fire department can't say anything about it, okay? So there's a ways, and I know every one of you, your, 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 your mind is unlocked, okay? You don't listen to this show because you're brainwashed. You listen to the show because you're smart, right? We, we all are paying attention. We're going on Google. We're in this business together. It's a different whole world. 2019 is the most craziest year we've had yet. A lot of uncertainty. I know some of you have lost money in the stock market in 2018. Big, big, big bucks. I think it was $1 trillion in losses last year. And you're going, what am I going to do? What are we going to have? This is practicality going on here. This is if the economy crashes off the end of the deep world, you've got a house that's paid off. Okay. There's some real practical benefits to this. So check it out. Check out the links below. Listen to the show. Subscribe. OKCRealEstateShow.com. Guys, thanks for coming on the hey, show. Yeah, thank thanks you so much, Brandon. Cool. Appreciate it. Subscribe to our podcast to hear fresh local market information. We need ideas for our show and we want to hear from you. Visit OKCRealEstateShow.com. Looking to buy or sell in Oklahoma City? Meet with the award-winning team today at OKCRealEstateShow.com. That's OKCRealEstateShow.com.